Hello, and welcome to another EAST podcast. In this session, we are pleased to have former EAST President Dr. Wayne Meredith join us today. Dr. Meredith is one of the most recognizable names in trauma and general surgery. He served as president of both EAST in 2003 and AAST in 2012. In addition, he was president of the Southern Surgical Association in 2011. He's the current chief of surgery at Wake Forest University Baptist Medical Center, the chairman of the Department of General Surgery at Wake Forest, and the General Surgery Residency Program Director. I'd like to thank you for joining us today, Dr. Meredith. Welcome. It is a pleasure. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, mentoring and identifying a mentor um, at your local institution. And so we felt like, uh, Dr. Meredith, with your uh, experience and accomplishments at, at Wake Forest, that you uh, would be uh, an excellent person to talk to us uh, about this topic. Well, I'm not quite sure that's going to turn out to be true, but I have had a lot of experience mentoring and being mentored. Uh, so, and you're welcome to what little knowledge I have about it. All right. Well, I think that I think both being on both sides of it certainly will be uh, a value to our listeners today. So, why don't we get started? Let's uh, sure. let's start with you know what do you see as the role of a mentor and sort of what's the difference between a mentor and say um, kind of a career coach. So um, there, there are sort, there are several kinds of mentorship, or there are several things that mentors can do. Um, one is a little bit of very close to coaching, which is advising um, on skill set stuff, right? So if you're a golf coach, you'd be teaching about the golf swing, and you'd be teaching about course management, right? And and so in surgery. Um, you, you, there is a coaching part, which is, um, here are the things I don't think you're doing well in terms of being a good surgeon, right? You're mm -hmm. weak on, uh, case selection. You need to work on that, right? For medical students and residents, most of the time, it, technically it's, they're not using their left hand well enough mm -hmm. and they're not getting exposure well enough, right? And then as they get a little farther along, it is that they're not getting using their assistance well enough. So there's that kind of uh, coaching for mentoring. And then there is the very positional uh, mentoring, which is how do you get – what are the steps in getting through your career? How do you apply for a job? How do you decide if the job is good? How do you know that you're getting what you need to be able to be successful, and how do you – create yourself to be an attractive candidate for a residency or for a fellowship or for a first job after fellowship. And there's a lot of that work to be done. We can come back to each of these and talk about how to do some of them more. And, and then there is um, – and that, that kind of mentorship continues on. How do you um, get become successful in – advancing a career. What are the steps to being a good candidate to move on to be a trauma director, to get promoted, to be a division chair, to be a department chair, to be a dean, be president of the United States? How do you go ahead? What do you do to get all of that? And so that's just sort of um, um, pathway mentoring, right? Let me call it that. And then you just described career coaching. There, There is also that part of of mentoring which is um content mentoring so let's say um 
I might want to mentor someone in developing trauma systems, right? It might be a, someone that I've graduated or finished in a program, and they're out working on building their trauma program and their trauma system, and they would need mentoring on how do you overcome these obstacles, what are the tricks, what quivers do I need in my arrow, what are the mentoring steps. In a, in a laboratory, that mentoring might be how do you write grants, how do you dis, how do you design uh, not just an experiment but a theme of scientific research that can result in a career devoted to elucidating an area of medicine. And so mentors would do that. And and um, and then the, the, the last part of mentoring is also sort of close to being an executive coach, which is mentoring people on um, how to be happy, <laughs> how to get all your crap done every day, <laughs> and do time management, and how do you how do you deal with so many bosses and so many people asking for so much stuff? How do you cope? Kinds of personal um, mentoring, and people need all of those things, and not every, and not. And, and it's not always the same person for each of those, and it, and it is. And some people need more of each of those areas than other than uh, other people do. But those are sort of the areas that I think most people should have some mentoring. Okay. And so, I guess, sort of building off that, do you? I think a lot of us certainly think early in our career, you know, we benefit from mentoring. But you know, are those the only people who need uh, a mentor or need to be mentored, or are there other, you know? At different points in your career, do you still need mentoring? No, you never stop needing mentoring, and you never get out of being a mentor. I mean, I have mentors that are mentoring me now. You know, the fundamental part of mentoring is something my mother taught me when I was a kid, and I have taught my kids. You want to hang around people that you want to be more like because you will be more like the people. You will become like the people you hang out with. Right? Yeah. So that that's just a fundamental of humanity. Yeah. Yes. Right? And yeah. So it doesn't matter how far you are, even if you're coming close to the end of your career, mentoring is still helpful to further that next advancement that you want or to help figure out how to back down or to help figure out how to make a contribution in your dotage or how to not embarrass yourself with your Alzheimer's. Right. You still yeah. need mentoring all the way. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I think your mom was very wise there. Yeah. Oh, she was um, very wise. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the role of both the mentor and the mentee. So what do you sort of see as the role and the responsibility, really the responsibilities, I guess, um, of the mentor uh, and the responsibilities of the mentee in that relationship? Um so there's formal and informal mentoring. And formal mentoring, you need to have um, you need to have not a written contract, but you need to have an overt contract. So formal mentoring would be the mentee needs to request mentorship and engage in a dialogue that would define the parameters of that. So a medical student just left my office who sort of cold called to his assigned mentor to say he wanted to be a surgeon someday. He's a second-year student, and he wanted to come see me and talk me into being his mentor. 
and he had personal attributes and connections that made me want to do that. So we sort of sat down and laid out a a set of parameters of what we would both hope to get from it and what I would do for him and what he owes back to that relationship. And so um, that is, and that happens to people who like mentoring all, a lot, all the time, right? Several times a month, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes several times a week. Um, so the mentee needs to um, initiate that contact and then follow through on it. The mentor needs to uh, make sure it's about the mentee, not about you. It's really easy to bring someone into your lab and you're going to be their mentor, but really what you want is someone free labor, and that's mm-hmm. not fair. That's not mentoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That is maybe good science, and it may be a good opportunity for someone to be able to work in your lab and get some experience, but it's not mentoring. Mentoring is about the success and the growth of the per, of the mentee. And so um, the the mentor has those obligations. The mentor has a little bit of an obligation to um, stage manage the relationship. And the first step in that stage management is to to not engage in it if it's not going to be productive, right? Mm-hmm. If the expectations of the mentee are inappropriate or unachievable. Or and unachievable either by the mentee or the mentor. Don't have enough time to do this. Don't actually have insight into the area that you want mentorship in. Those kinds of things. You need to cut that free and don't do it. The other place for the mentor is I think you should stop the relationships pretty early if they're not going to work. If the mentee's not putting forth the effort or not getting it or if if the relationship is just simply not working, it is not going to be something that you're going to be able to be successful at. I think you need to formally end the relationship early. Uh, it, they're not. It, it is it is really good mentors and and really good assigned mentors can continue mentoring someone for a long period of time and they can make it. Um, they can make progress. I personally think that's an absolute waste of time for both the mentor and the mentee. You need to just do the ones that are going to be great because there's plenty of opportunities for that. The mentee, you need to if you're if you if you're looking for a mentor and it's just barely working out, I think struggling to make that uh, continued struggling to try to make that successful to just a mistake. There's someone out there that that's going to click that knows what you're thinking, with whom you identify, that you want to be more like, find that person and go to the next one. It's not worth it to try to fabricate something out of nothing. I think way too too many people try to continue that relationship once it started thinking it's a failure to to stop, and it's not a failure to stop. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, So you've, you've kind of mentioned a couple times sort of, who would make a good mentor for you? So, like you said, someone that you would want to hang around, that you want to be more like, and certainly somebody who would be a good mentor. So once you've identified that sort of person, um, how do you approach them uh, to be your prospective mentor? How, how does that initial interaction go? Um, 
there there are a lot of ways that can happen, but I think the I think the most um, the if it's a stranger, then you need to make an appointment, go meet with them, and ask them to be a mentor, and and just and to find a small amount of mentoring work that can be done so that you can take both test the waters and just ask for it, right? And a lot, of, a lot of people will be happy to do that. A lot of people aren't going to do it, and you have to go ask another person. But there are also some of these natural board mentorships that just grow up, right? The resident that you just love working with, that just for some reason you just click, and you wind up that 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 resident and you grow together, and you keep mentoring that person till they're young faculty, either at your place or some other place, and you just it never stops, right? And and those those are mixed friendship, mentorship, coaching models, and they're um, they're really great. They're worth, and they should be treasured. But they're they're not um, entirely formal mentorships, right? A little bit more big brother, big sister kind of relationship there. Right. Okay. So, do you? Um, how about how often should you meet with a mentor? Or should you kind of set up regular meetings, or just sort of do something kind of on a PRN basis? What what sort of your thoughts on that? I think you should set um, specific time frames to meet, both an overall based on the, what the mentoring project is, and a um, specific time frame for the next interval. So you would say, we need to meet every few weeks or every few months or twice a year kind of time frame. I think for most people who are good enough at what they do to be a mentor that you would choose, they're going to be in medicine for sure. They're going to be too busy to say, I'm going to have a meeting with you the first Thursday of every month at 3 p.m., mm-hmm. right? Right. And it, it's, it's very likely that if a person can do that for you as a surgeon, they're not the one you want to be yeah. a mentor. <laughs> so, so you set a frequency that says we probably need to meet sometime every other month and then and start trying to get those times recognizing that it's going to be pretty often that you can't meet and that, that there's nothing there's nothing personal about that and you'll just try to not skip it but replace it so if we're going to try to meet the first of december and um it turns out we tried on the first monday of december and we couldn't because uh, something the southern surgical is that week, right? Well, we say, okay, well, let's try the second week. And we'll keep trying to do it as opposed to skipping it. I do not yeah. think you ought to skip them. Sure. Okay. So when you and when you have meetings, do you kind of as as the mentee, do you go in with an agenda, or is it like you know what are sort of your um, goals for each of the meetings? I guess you know what sort of things you talk about. I guess that's really what I'm trying to ask. So. There, there are two things. Um, what's happened since we last met? What did you learn from what we, what, from what has happened since we last met? What can I help you reinterpret, reunderstand, or do? And then, and and how, and what assessment can the mentor give to the mentee of the caliber of the time that's been spent there, right? Mm-hmm. And then, what are our next steps? And next steps might be, oh, so you really didn't do much about any of that stuff we talked about. You're going to have to do that again. We'll meet again in a month and see if you got it done, right? Or, wow, this was really good. This was really good. This could have been done better. Here's how that might have looked. Um, 
Bud, this is terrific progress. What did you learn from this? Great. I wanted you to learn four things. You learned three of them. Here's the fourth. What can we do to get that? And that's what we're going to work on next month. Okay. Cool. All right. So what about so the majority of our listeners are probably are you know trauma surgeons or have interest in you know trauma and acute care surgery um do you think that there's value to having a mentor outside of trauma and, and your trauma department or division um, at your institution Yeah I do I think I think there's value in having a trauma mentor if you're if your career is going to be in surgery let's say or trauma I think there's value in having a mentor who is not a part of your normal work life to whom you have access, someone who wants you to succeed, uh, but is not directly responsible for you or your success. I think that's extremely valuable. They can be more objective. They can be kinder and they can be crueler. <laughs> they can be more candid. I guess you don't want them to be crueler, but they can be more candid. Um, and so I, I think it's very valuable to have access to someone who's a mentor like that. And I also think it's valuable to have some mentoring outside of your field altogether, executive coach-type mentorship, people who can give you coaching on just how to be a better leader, how to be a better teacher, how to be a better mentor, how to be a better uh, human being. And I think it's good to have some, even though they're not trauma or maybe even not even surgery mentorship, I think there's there's a lot of value in that too. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, and then I guess that sort of feeds into the question about having, you know, uh, if you do that, then obviously you're going to have more than one mentor. So how do you, um, what are, I guess, are the benefits of having more than one mentor, and how do you kind of um, prioritize, if you will, or maybe arrange, you know, the various mentors that you may have um, throughout the, you know, at one time, I guess? Um, well, it's it's not like... It, it, you, one should not think of the, of mentoring as an exclusive relationship, like you know going steady, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's not it's not like that at all, and so it, it, it you know it's, it's perfectly perfectly legitimate. It's a very good thing to have you know an, uh, another trauma surgeon that's about your age somewhere either in your place or another place and you two mentor one another about what it's like to be at the stage you're at and a and a someone who is a uh senior trauma surgeon either outside of your place or in your place that that can mentor you on your personal growth and career growth and still have another person that's a mentor about your science that happens to be cytokines, you know, so they're actually a, a, a cell biologist mentoring you on the science of, of cytokine production, right? All those can mm-hmm. be going on simultaneously. They may give you conflicting advice. You have to integrate all that. You can talk to each of them about how it's how it's phrased, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's perfectly perfectly legitimate to have a physical fitness coach and a swing coach, right? For <laughs> yeah. a golfer, right? That's right, that's perfectly right. legitimate. And the mentoring is the same way. And okay. so, uh, the, the and it's the mentee's responsibility to parse it, coordinate it, make sure everybody knows everybody else exists. Gotcha. 
Excellent. Cool. I'll tell you, my dad taught me, my father, I told you, my mother taught me you want to hang around people you want to be more like. That Mm -hmm. relates to mentory. My father taught me. He has never met a person that could not teach him something, and he wanted to figure out what that was, every person he met. And that's a valuable thought if you think that through a little bit, right? Yeah. So, and if you extend that to mentoring, even though it might be very short-term, one-moment mentoring on asking the guy that's that's uh, painting the hallway you're walking through how he chooses a paintbrush, that's that's – not quite mentoring in the context that you're trying to describe it, but it's a very good analogy because that guy can tell you a lot about that, and it's your job to figure out how to use that information and whether or not to even trust what he tells you. Yeah. But it's very much worth asking those questions from everybody. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I guess the, the you know the last one I wanted to, the last area that I kind of want to talk about is a little more personal uh, uh, toward for you, Dr. Meredith, but just sort of who are some of the people who were have been mentors in your career um, and you know, oh, kind of goodness. some of the <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't prepare you for that one, but the people who have, have sort of had some influence on uh, on you and, and where you are in your career. Um, I, I, you know, I have been blessed with a plethora of mentors, frankly, uh, and I am constantly accumulating them even now. Um, I, I love learning, and I love teaching, and I love being around people I want to be more like. Um, so I would say of my sort of, of formal mentors, Don Trunkey would be one of the most prominent in trauma. Prior to that, in my residency training, a heart surgeon named Cheryl Hutzpeth was a very prominent mentor to me about technical surgery and about um, – how what doctors owe patients, right? He was a very strong mentor about that. He was not a very strong mentor about how doctors ought to treat other human beings that aren't patients. Right? He was a pretty bad mentor about that stuff. Right? Not a good role model for that. Had to pick that from other people um, who were parents and our chair of surgery, Dick Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there was that. Don Trunkey told me something that I've quoted to many another person. I was trying very hard to decide, and I was struggling a lot deciding a career path, trauma surgery versus heart surgery, stay in Oregon, come back to North Carolina. I was really struggling hard with it. And Don caught me. We are doing something, and he said, you know, you're doing this all wrong. And I said, this particular thing we were doing, I can't possibly be doing this wrong. <laughs> he said, no, 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 not that. Your career choice, you're doing this all wrong. You're trying to make this decision with your cerebral cortex, and it's a decision that you have to make with your celiac ganglion. And that was a very effective and true and valuable piece of mentorship, right? How to mm-hmm. make that important decision. Go with your gut. Go with your gut. And so uh, Don was really important to me for that. Uh, and then um, I've had quite a few more mentors. David Richardson has been an amazing trauma mentor for me. So has David Hoyt. Uh, been a, uh, David Hoyt's been a big brother kind of mentor, just a few years older than me, but almost doing what I was doing, and definitely someone that you want to grow up and be like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um 
Richardson was somebody I'd like to grow up at some day to be like, but never really dreamed that I could. <laughs> right, just way too far ahead. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's a lot of those people in this world. Yes, certainly. Cool. Well, excellent. Well, so the last thing, just if, you know, if you could deliver one sort of message to our viewers, sort of their take-home message today in, in regards to mentoring, what would that be? So in, in in terms of being mentored? Uh, yeah, being a mentor, uh, being t- mentored. I'm going to tell, yeah. tell you two. I'm going to tell you two. Okay. I'm tell you in terms of being mentored and then in terms of being a mentor. In, 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 in terms of being mentored, most – People have, when they have the conversation about finding a mentor, have a, have a, give the impression that they feel the correct mentor will make it a lot easier for them and help their career or their decision making advance rapidly and, and much more simply. And that turns out not to be the case. The things that we have to learn to do and the things that we have to do in surgery and in trauma surgery and probably in any career, turns out they're actually hard. They require sacrifice. They require making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And you, certain things you can't learn without making the mistake yourself. You can't, you can't get it from somebody else's mistake. And those people give you flavor and they give you help. But... 85% of the surgeon you become is what you're made of and what you do with what you're offered, and 15% is based on where you train and who teaches you and those things. So most of the kind of surgeon you become is based on what you're made of, right? And the mentoring doesn't fix that. It plays a big part in the other 15%. But anyway, so good mentoring is not going to make that difference. To being a good mentor, I would say um, – you have to make it about the mentee, not about you. That's that's point number one. You have to be willing to call it quits if it's not going to work. Not pretend that there's more there than there is than you think. Than you think. And and the last piece is of being a good mentor is it's it, the outcome is not your responsibility. So it's really easy when you care about someone whom you're mentoring to want the outcome to be the best it could possibly be. And the, and if you're not careful you will get in there too much, right? You're not responsible for the outcome. You're just responsible for the advice, and you need to let the mentee go ahead and make their own mistakes, go ahead and do their screw-ups, go ahead and learn from them and grow, just like you did. And you want to keep that from happening, just like you want to keep your kid from learning that if you climb out on a on a dead tree branch it's going to fall and it's going to hurt you can't teach them that based on the time you fell <laughs> you just can't do it and so as a mentor you have to be willing to let your mentee live their own life make their own mistakes make their own decisions go where they're going to go and all you can give them is your perspective your advice and your love excellent yeah i think that's great i think all of that's excellent so. Um, well, on behalf of the East Career Development Committee, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Meredith, for taking the time to speak with us today. 
I'm Brad Dennis, and I hope you enjoyed the program. When you find a moment of time, please visit the EAST website at www.east.org for more EAST podcasts and other valuable information. Also, you can download EAST podcasts from the iTunes Store or from Google Play. All right. Thank you, Dr. Meredith. That was that was excellent. Uh, honestly, I think for me, like the take home would be the uh, when you're looking for a mentor or a mentor, yeah, look for people that you that you want to hang around or that you want to be more like. Uh, that you I think want to that be was, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That you want to be like. I think that's definitely a good uh, a good rule of thumb for for someone looking. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. That's exactly right. It's not, well, I should have maybe said this, but people often think that the person that you want to mentor you is the person who has control over whether or not you can make the next advancement or those pieces, and that's generally not the case, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good not, point too. You don't want to, you don't want the mentoring relationship to be about I want you to be on my side so that you can unlock these doors for me. You yeah. need them to be filling you up with skills so that you deserve those doors to be open. Whoever is in control of those keys. Yeah. Because that's permanent. Right. 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 Walking yeah. through the next door inappropriately doesn't help you. True. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. A very good point. I think that's definitely something to uh, for a lot of folks to. I think about too is that yeah. yeah not the person who can help you but somebody or not the person who can get you the next job or the next role but, but definitely somebody who can help make you be the best you can be so yeah that's exactly right excellent well great well thank it. you for Thanks your time for sir all right thank you appreciate it